say, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty fine. But I've learned that when we say that we're doing fine, it doesn't always mean that we are. When it comes to our spiritual lives, things may not be going so well. We may not be growing spiritually, but we still think that we're fine. You may have stagnated as a Christian, but you still may be thinking, oh, I'm doing just fine. Today, Jesus shows us some marks of discipleship, and he also goes further to provide us some ways that we can measure the level of our commitment to him. So as we examine ourselves today, you're going to have to ask yourself this question. Just how committed am I to Christ? So here's the scene. You ready? You ready? Say amen. Here's the scene. It's the last night. And Jesus is sharing a meal with his disciples the last night before he goes to the cross. They're still together up in that upper room and they all have nice clean feet. Amen. And while they're eating, Jesus pauses and he says, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to turn their back on me and run. Let's read in John chapter 13 what happened next. In John chapter 13 in verse 21, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in his spirit and he testified and said, Most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And then the disciples looked at one another. Isn't that ironic? They didn't look in the mirror. They looked at one another. And they were perplexed about whom he was speaking. Surely this can't be me. Now there was leaning on Jesus, one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned across the table, I see it, motioned to him and asked him to ask who it was he was talking about. Then leaning on the back of Jesus, he said to him, Hey, Lord, who is it? Who is it that's going to betray you? And Jesus answered, It is he whom I should give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered Judas. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. Some had thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things that we need for the feast. Or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately. And ironically, it was night. It was dark. So when he had gone out, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. 
If God is glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you can't come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also should love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you shall follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him and said, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me. Three times. As we begin this examination process this morning, as we begin examining ourselves, I want to begin with the number one reason why people, why Christians, fail to be, look at me, just fine. Why they fail to be just fine when it comes to being a disciple of Christ. And that number one reason is this. They are unwilling to, to submit to Jesus. When you find a Christian that ain't doing what he's supposed to do, the problem is he has not submitted to Jesus. When you find a Christian, a believer, who is not doing what she's supposed to do, the problem is she has not submitted her life to Jesus. Because if she had, if he had, She'd be walking with the Lord and doing what the Lord expects. Have you ever felt deceived? Ever felt stabbed in the back? And I think we've all been there at some point in our life. This first section today deals with Jesus revealing his betrayer. Jesus tells John, it's the one I give this piece of bread to. You see, Judas was unwilling to submit to Jesus. And for me, I just got to tell you, it's difficult for me to understand Judas. I mean, the Lord had given him a lot of responsibility. Evidently, he had a good head for business because Jesus chose him to be the treasurer, gave him the money box. Apparently, Judas had more education or more social standing or perhaps more wisdom compared to the other disciples. But we also know something else that Judas had a lot of, and that's greed. We know that Judas kept skimming off the top of the treasury so he could put it in his own pocket. But I wondered... Why in the world would Judas agree to follow Jesus in the first place? And I've come to the conclusion that maybe this was his chance. Maybe this was his chance to fulfill a dream. President Judas. He liked the sound of that. 
But he never dreamt that being president Judas would involve serving somebody else. Especially a teacher who went around teaching you're supposed to serve other people. But that was the case. And so, Judas makes his choice. Jesus passes this bread to Judas and he gazes into Judas's eyes. And that moment is an opportunity for Judas to turn back. That moment is an opportunity for Judas to repent. Even though the deal's been cut, even though the conspiracy is complete, Judas can still turn back before he takes this bread. And so Jesus reaches out in love, even to his betrayer. And it's like Jesus is pleading. He says, come on, old friend. I already know. I already know what you've been doing. But I want you to know it doesn't matter. You can still come back to me before you receive this bread. It's the moment of truth. It's the chance to return to Christ and continue doing the work of the kingdom. But Judas refuses. And he chooses evil. He eats the bread and he keeps living the lie. And it's right there that Judas passes the point of no return. It's like going over a cliff. When you go over the cliff, you ain't dead. Amen? Yet. Right? You go over a cliff, you're not dead when you go over. But you're going to be. Amen? At this point, Judas is a goner. His unwillingness to submit to Christ gives Satan the opportunity he needed to fully possess Judas. And Jesus tells him, what you're going to do, do quickly. In other words, get on with it. Just do what you're here to do. Now, we will see Judas again here in a few hours. For Judas will betray Jesus, not with a dagger, not with a pointed finger, but with a kiss. So Judas is now gone, and he leaves and... It's just Jesus and the true followers he had. The servant of evil is left. And now Jesus begins to talk about what it means to really be a disciple. He shares three marks. Three marks of a faithful follower. The first of which is this. You ready? You ready to say amen? Here it comes. Here it comes. An unquenchable desire to glorify God. Listen to verse 31 again. And so when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Jesus says, I'm going to be glorified. And when he does, he's clearly talking about his own death on the cross. But how can glory come to God's Son being nailed to a bloody 
rugged, splintery old cross. How can Jesus be glorified in that? Well, there are several ways. Consider these. On the cross, Jesus defeated Satan. Glory! Amen? On the cross, Jesus became the sacrifice that redeems you and I from the sins that separate us from God. Glory! Amen? On the cross, God built a bridge between us and himself. Glory! Amen? Praise Jesus for that. But there's more. There's more. Jesus said, not only am I going to be glorified, but God is going to be glorified through me. Now, that's kind of a strange statement. How is God going to be glorified through Jesus? Well, again, the answer is found right there on the cross. Just listen. Before his arrest, listen to what Jesus prayed. In John 17, Jesus spoke these words and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you've given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory that we had before the earth was. On the cross, Jesus glorified God by giving his life for you. He glorified God by giving his life for us. On the cross, Jesus reveals what God is like. On the cross, we see God's love. We see God's mercy. We see his grace. We see his justice. We see the, the righteousness of God. We see the holiness of God. We see the power of God. It's all right there on the cross. And Jesus is also speaking to us. He's also telling us that whenever you and I show the world the love of God, whenever we show the grace of God, whenever we show the mercy of God, whenever we reveal the truth of God, then, friends, listen carefully, God is glorified through you. He's glorified through us. When we're obedient, like Christ was obedient, that is, unto death, when we daily die to self, when I die to who Bill Barlow is and realize that I am Christ's child, his instrument, his conduit through which he demonstrates love and mercy and power and righteousness and truth. When that happens, God is glorified through us. But it can never occur if we don't deny self, if we can't submit to Christ. So let me ask you this, friend. We're examining ourselves this morning, right? Right? So you're still doing just fine? All week long, I realized 
then I ain't just fine. I'm not just fine. I got some growing to do. I've got some maturing to do. Got some work to do. So are you still living for self? Or are you living for the glory of God? That's the call of the faithful follower. Let me tell you, friend, an unquenchable desire to glorify God is always the number one mark of the faithful follower. But here comes a second one. You ready? One of you. Y'all ready? Second mark, faithful follower, an unfailing love for one another. Here we go. Verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How much, Jesus? As I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. That you are my faithful followers. If you have love for one another. He only said it three times in one verse. Did you catch it? An unfailing love for one another. Now, you need to know that loving one another was not some kind of new concept. Moses, thousands of years before, had written, love your neighbor as yourself. But loving one another as Christ loves us? Now that's revolutionary. Loving people that much? That's incredible. Loving one another that much? Man, that's a new standard. That is the highest possible demand. God's word says that the world's going to know. The world's going to know that we're Christians by what? By how much we love. Is the world going to know that you're a Christian by how much Bible you know? Is the world going to know how much you are a Christian by how much money you give? The world's going to know that you're a Christian by how much you love people. Christ wants us to be known for demonstrating love. Because you can't love somebody unless you're showing it. Amen? You can't love somebody unless you're showing it. If you're not showing it, you don't love them. Maybe it's comforting somebody who's lost a loved one. I'll bet you that everybody in the room knows somebody right now that has recently lost a loved one. Maybe it's showing love to a resident of a nursing home. We're surrounded by them. We're surrounded by them. Maybe it's sacrificing your time to encourage somebody who's down. I guarantee you that we are surrounded by discouragement. All these things say, listen, buddy, I'm concerned for you. All these things say, sister, man, I care for you. All these things that we can do by demonstrating love say, you know what? I love you. I love you. So if you're listening, say amen. Love 
always reveals itself in action. Don't tell me you love me. Come on, show me. Amen? Love always reveals itself in action. We want people to see us and say, oh my goodness, man, those people love one another. Man, those Bethel Baptist Church people, man, they love one another. They love kids. They love the elderly. And I'll bet you they probably love me too. So the first mark of a faithful follower is that unquenchable desire to glorify God. That second mark of a faithful follower is an unfailing love for one another. But there's a third one. Are you ready? There's one of them. There's two. Are y'all ready? Here it comes. An unwavering loyalty to Jesus. Listen carefully. Verse 36, old Simon Peter, amen. Simon Peter, headstrong Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay my life down for your sake. And Jesus said, will you? Will you? Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you've denied me three times. How loyal are you? Do you have that unshakable loyalty? Do you have that kind of loyalty? Man, it's just always there. Solid as a rock. Do you have that kind of loyalty? Back in Matthew 16, Jesus explained that he must suffer many things, that he must be killed, and three days later, he'll be raised from the dead. Old Peter took him aside, and you know what he said? He said, "Ah, oh, Jesus, you ain't suffering, you ain't dying, you ain't raising. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you, he said. And Peter turned, or Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter says, you going to die, Lord? Well, if you die, I'm dying with you. You know what I said when I first read that? I said, way to go, Peter. Man, way to take a stand for Jesus. Man, I hear that all the time. Man, I'm taking a stand for the Lord. I'm doing what the Lord's called me to do. I'm taking a stand for Jesus. That's just what Peter did. But eventually, Peter would learn that there is a huge chasm 
a great difference between proclaiming your loyalty with words and practicing your loyalty with actions. A huge difference. It's easy to say, I die for you, Lord Jesus. But then when they pull out the nails, the nails they want to put through your hands and your feet, man, things can kind of change rapidly, amen? Are you really willing to die for me, Peter? Why don't you just start by living for me? You see, that's what he says to me and you. I don't want you to die for me. I want you to live for me. That's quite the blessing, isn't it? Let us live for the Lord. And then he goes on to say, well, let me just show you how loyal you're going to be, Peter. Before morning comes, you're going to deny me not once, but three times. You're going to be loyal to me, Peter? Well, how close are you willing to follow me? See, Luke tells us that when the, when the soldiers took Jesus out of the Garden of Gethsemane, that Peter followed, all right, but he followed at a distance. Let me tell you what happens when you follow Jesus at a distance. You end up in the wrong crowd. That's exactly what happened to Peter. Peter found out it's a whole lot easier to proclaim loyalty than it is to practice it. You moms might appreciate this. One mother was writing, my three-year-old was on my heels every time I turned around. Whenever I stop to do something, I turn over, turn around, and I trip over my son. Time and time again, I'd say, son, please go and play. And he just smiled and looked up at me and said, that's all right, mom, I'd rather be right here with you. After stepping on his toes for the fifth time, she began to lose patience, and she said, Why are you acting like this, son? And he looked up with those sweet green eyes and said, Well, Mommy, my teacher told me to walk in Jesus' footsteps, but I can't see him, so I'm walking in yours. Are we walking in the footsteps of Jesus? The stakes are high. The stakes are high, y'all. Are you willing to submit to Jesus? You see, when we come to Christ and we follow through in believer's baptism, that's what we're saying symbolically. But then the hard part comes. Then the real part comes. And that's actually doing it. Actually submitting to the Lord. Friend, are you living a life that brings glory to God? As long as we're examining, let's examine. Are you living a life that's glorifying God? Is your life one of unwavering loyalty to Christ? Is it one of unwavering loyalty to Christ's people? I think too often we become satisfied with being, you listening? Just fine. 
But when I look in the mirror, you know what I see? You're not. You're not just fine. God says, my daughter, I want you to go deeper. Son, I want you to go deeper as my disciple. I want you to be a faithful follower. And so today, I'm going to give you another opportunity to follow me closely. Today, I am going to give you an opportunity to follow me intimately. And listen, just because you fell short yesterday doesn't mean I stopped loving you. Just because you blew it yesterday, it doesn't mean that I don't love you anymore. I just want you to follow closer this time. Today, maybe you can be more humble. Today, maybe you can love just a little bit more. Today, maybe you can be a little less selfish. Today, maybe you can really allow my glory to shine through you. Are you willing to start again? God says, I'm willing if you are. Friends, that's what Jesus says to you today. He says, I'm willing if you are. And so he invites us and he waits for us to respond. And he asks us this question. Do you really? Do you really want to be my disciple? You know, you got one life to live. That's it. One life to live means you got one life to give. It's my prayer that you'll use this life given to you by God for something of eternal significance. Stakes are high. A lot of kids watching you. A lot of other people watching you. So glorify God in the life that you're living. Love one another. How much, Bill? Love one another as Christ loved you. That he gave himself for you. Take up your cross. Take up the challenges of life. Take up the difficulties. Take up the burdens and follow Jesus. Because you know those people that are watching you, you know when they really watch you? They don't watch you when everything is going great. They watch you when you're going through the challenges of life. That's when they watch you. With heads bowed and our eyes closed, coming before the very presence of God, Friend, do you believe, do you believe what Jesus did for you on the cross? If you do, if you've had that time in life where you have taken a stand for Christ, have you been following? Maybe you've been following at a distance. Today's a great day to close that gap. Have you been practicing your loyalty as loud as you proclaim it?
today's invitation is not about anything I'll speak. Today's decision time is all about what the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you. It's examination day. So however the Lord is leading you, whatever decision He's leading you to make, my only encouragement today is be obedient. Father God, thank you so much for your word that encourages us, it inspires us to go deeper with you. Father, it encourages us not only to proclaim our loyalty to Jesus, but to practice it as well. Father, help us to love people like you love people. Father, help us to glorify you in every word we utter, every action we do, every attitude we keep. Lord, every ministry we serve in. Lord, help us to glorify you. Father, we love you today, and we want to proclaim that. And we just pray that the lives we live demonstrate your love for people. Bless us now in this time of decision. It's all about what you're speaking to your people. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing just as I am. Let's stand, let's sing. Just as I am without one plea, but
very much. You can be seated. As we invite our trio back to uh, sing us, uh, sing once again as we get ready for the baptism. Uh, you guys come on in and bless us with another song. song I'll, I'll say he set me free <clears throat> won't you play a little intro to it all right here we go <clears throat> here we go once like a bird in prison I dwelt No freedom from my sorrow I felt But Jesus came and listened to me And glory to God he set me free He set me free, yes he set me free He broke the bonds of prison for me I'm glory bound my Jesus to see for glory to God he set me free now I'm a climbing higher each day 
darkness of night has drifted away my feet are planted on higher ground and glory to god at homeward bound he set me free yes he set me free he broke the bonds of prison for me i'm glory bound my jesus to see for glory to god he set me free hey man let's give him a hand Thank you, guys. All right. What a wonderful, wonderful occasion that we have to, to baptize Brother Lane Davis. Uh, thankful for him and for his family being here today. And I was just sharing with Lane a second ago, you know, when somebody asked me, uh, man, why, why do y'all baptize? And I said, we baptize because Jesus got baptized. Amen. Listen to what the scriptures tell us. That Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent Jesus saying, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up out of the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Just like Jesus did, Lane now does. So Brother Lane, being that's the case, that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Death unto self and baptism. Rising to new life in Christ. Amen. Yeah. 